okay, morning service, 9 o'clock, may not be as fresh as you want to be, but I've got some familiar sayings that I want you, to, I'm going to start the beginning of it, and I want you to try to finish the rest of it. And the first one is, ask not what your country can do for you. One more time. That's right. Okay. The next one. Mr. Gorbachev. Hey, you're pretty good. Wow. I'm impressed. Four score and seven. Our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation. I don't expect you to know that. I got a slide. It's easier for me. But at least you got the, the point, okay? I pledge allegiance of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. This one. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, I was on the plane the other day, and uh, because I travel a great deal, they normally bump me up to first class for free. And uh, I start my day out in the morning, and I ask this prayer every day. I say, Father, would you please use me today to make faith come alive in somebody's heart somewhere. Please, God, flow through me with your presence into somebody somewhere, please. And then I look for that, who that person would be. So, because I travel a great deal, I'm often on planes, and happens a great deal to me on planes because I got nowhere to go. And I feel sorry in some way for some of these people because they have no clue what's about to happen. Because I've been in the presence of God in the morning, and I've been calling out to God, saying, God, please flow through me today. I really want you to use me, God. I'm asking you, God, to find that person, find that individual that I can share your love and your power with. Please, Jesus. And, uh, you know, we get on the plane, and they bump me up to first class, and the plane takes off, and they bring me some coffee and everything. And I get out my Bible, and I'm sitting, I, was, I had the aisle seat, and so I, you know, you know, angle the Bible a little bit at my new friend that I haven't met yet. He doesn't know what's about to happen. And neither do I, because the Holy Spirit is fresh. And my desire in, uh, in that moment is, God, please use me. Please, God. And so as I angled the Bible over to my new friend that I haven't met yet, I said, you ever read this? And he looked at me and went, no. I said, oh, with great disdain, you know, one of those. And I said, oh, I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a doctor. I said, oh, that's nice. I said, what kind of doctor are you? He said, I'm a heart surgeon. I said, wow, that's beautiful. I said, when you get back to Philadelphia uh, uh, tomorrow, I said, you have a busy schedule? He said, I'm jammed, wall to wall. I get a tremendous amount of operations. I said, that's great. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to show up around 10 or 10.30. I'll scrub up, and I want to take the one around 10, 10.30, and I'm going to show you a new way to do angioplasty. I'm going to show you a new way to go into the artery and expand it, 
and to extend life for this individual in a way that will revolutionize your thinking. And he did what you're doing. <laughs> He's looking at me like, what is, this, what is this guy, nuts or what's going on? He said, where are you going with this? I said, well, I said, you told me you're a doctor. He said, that's right. I said, did you go to medical school? He said, of course I did. I said, where'd you go? He said, University of Pennsylvania. I said, well, that's my school. I said, uh, it's amazing to me, really. A man of your intellect, you look good, you're well-groomed, you're articulate, have a good presence about yourself. I said, but it's amazing to me that you would make a statement like that about something you've never read. It's almost as stupid as me telling you I'm going to show up at 10 o'clock and show you a new way to expand the artery and do a new operation for you, isn't it? And he looked at me completely dumbfounded. And my heart was not to be arrogant. My heart was not to belittle him. My heart was not to embarrass him. My heart was to bring him to Christ. But in my travels, uh, you know, just like here this morning, all of you are at different stages in your walk with Christ. There are many people in this room today that are at maybe a level two in their walk with Christ, some at a level three, and some at a level 10. This individual was at a minus two, and he needed to come to the cross. So I needed to be loving and kind to him, but I needed to tell him the truth. And he said, where are you going with this? I said, look, God loves you. I said, doctor, let me give you a challenge, if you have the courage to take it. He said, what's that? I said, if you have the courage to take this challenge, doctor, your life will never be the same. He said, what is it? I said, doctor, in the quietness of your own time, when you're all by yourself, so that you don't have to worry about your ego, nobody's around. I said, you get out a Bible, and you go to the Gospel of St. John, and before you start reading, you say this out loud, God, if you're there, and if there's any truth in what this old man's telling me, then show me. I said, doctor, if you take that challenge, I promise you, you'll be drinking from a fire hose because the God of the universe wants to show you just how much he loves you, just how much he cares for you. I said, doctor, I'm never gonna see you again. I said, but I can assure you this. If you take that challenge and you open up that Bible that you've never read, and you go to the Gospel of John and say, God, show me yourself if you're real. I said, I promise you, doctor, you'll be drinking from a fire hose. Your life will never be the same. And the presence of God just ministered to him there. No, I didn't lead him to Christ on that plane because the plane had landed, and I shook his hand and said, I'll see you later. But I pray for him every day. And I understand why he would say something like that. Because you know what the word weird means? Look at that. The word weird means otherworldly, uncanny, eerie, unnatural, supernatural, unearthly, otherworldly, mysterious, abnormal, unusual. Weird. Isn't that what we're doing here this morning? Aren't we a bunch of weirdos? I mean, think about it. Here we are, we're singing to a God that we cannot see. We're believing in a book that was written by man, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And we're worshiping a creator because we have been what? Born again. We are truly weird. 
So is it any wonder that people would think of us as weirdos? Because we believe in the supernatural power of an almighty, ever-resurrected Jesus Christ, don't we? And if we would be willing to be available to God to take this every day to somebody somewhere, that's our responsibility, that's our privilege. Well, the reason I started today's message out in those uh, familiar sayings is because I wonder if the Lord's Prayer has become familiar to you. I want to visit the Lord's Prayer with you. Because what I want, I have this 20 to 25 minutes I have with you this morning, I'm going to share with you the single most important truth you will ever learn as a Christian. I'm going to share with you the, the single most important activity you can ever do as a Christian. And if you can get your head around this one thing this morning, your life will soar in every area of your life. If you can get your head around what we're about to dive into, I promise you, your life will never be the same. And the Lord's Prayer will never be the same. It won't be our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, that will be done. Isn't that the way we say it sometimes, truthfully? When you hear the Lord's Prayer, perhaps sometimes we don't really take those words that Jesus meant as serious as he meant them. Interesting about the Lord's Prayer is it's not separate from the Sermon on the Mount. The Lord's Prayer was first revealed to us in the Sermon on the Mount. And the couple of verses that come before Jesus started, Our Father art in heaven, when he said, when you pray, pray like this, what he said before that was, look, don't be as the hypocrites are. Your Father knows what you have need of before you pray. So when you pray, say it this way. Or when you pray, be like this. I don't want you to repeat these words. I want you to have this understanding. The whole idea of the Lord's Prayer is for Jesus to give you a glimpse of heaven. The idea of the Lord's Prayer was not so that we would become a rote script. Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be it. The idea of the Lord's Prayer is so that you would begin to enter into a relationship that is supernatural. A little weird, yeah in the truest sense of the word, supernatural. So let's take a look at that Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. We're not going to get very far in it because it would take me about six weeks to really get through this, but I, if you can get your head around what we're going to focus on in these next few minutes, I promise you, you'll never be the same. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Wow. Hallowed be thy name. What is it to hallow God's name? What is it to honor him? You know, every scene in heaven, uh, almost every scene in heaven has a couple of things. One has an altar, and it has people crying out to God. Take a look at Revelation chapter 4 for a second. Look at the screen. We have it up there for you. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never ceased to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Why is that important? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. How is it in heaven? 
When Jesus said to us, our Father, pray like this, guys. Guys, when you want to, this is Jesus talking. He said, look, don't be as the hypocrites are. Don't pray like them for with these loud prayers to be seen of men. Because your heavenly Father, what? Knows what you have need of before you ask. Is it important to have a prayer list? Well, sure, you can have a prayer list. That way it reminds you to intercede for certain things. Is it important to be concerned about specific instances? Absolutely, because you want to mention them to God. But you don't want to do any of that until you first hallow his name. Look at Revelation 5. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. As it is in heaven, that's what Jesus meant. Knowing what it is to be in the presence of your dad, knowing what it is to respect your dad, knowing what it is to honor your dad, do you know Hebrews 5, 7 says this? With loud cries and tears, Jesus prayed to his Father. And because of his reverence for God, God heard his cry. Wow. With loud cries and tears, Jesus prayed to his Father. And because of his reverence for God, God heard his cry. Holy, holy, holy Lord God. You know, when I get to heaven, I am not going to be surprised with God's presence. Not one iota, I promise you. Because I experience God's presence every day of my life when I pursue him. God has promised me his presence. He's promised you his presence. I know I'll be surprised when I see him face to face. I know I'll be surprised with what I see. But his presence, I will not be surprised of. It's his presence that we, all of us, cherish. Amen? It's his presence that all of us need. And when we can invoke his presence into a situation, everything changes. As Kelly said earlier, some days she, she, fights, uh, she fights being a Christian. She fights the warfare against her, just like I do, just like you do. Amen? But when you can invoke the authority of God into a situation, Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know for sure it's God's will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I know it's his will that all men get saved. The Bible tells us that, that it's God's desire that all men get saved and there'd be no one to perish. No, not one. Now we know that's not going to be the case, but we know it's his heart's desire and because of people like this doctor that would have such great disdain for the Word of God and dismiss it so rather matter-of-factly, and he has no concept of what's going on in heaven, holy, holy, holy Lord God, heaven and earth are filled with your glory, day and night round the throne, day and night, Revelations 4, it never stops, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus said, when you pray, don't be as the hypocrites, but just have the attitude that my Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I love to go into my prayer closet, and I love to say, Jesus, God Almighty, for this next 30 minutes, I'm not going to ask you for one thing. 
I'm just going to praise you. God, would you please give me every adjective in my mind so that I can describe your holiness, that I can describe your goodness and your kindness and your majesty, that I can join in with these guys in heaven right now. Why do I want to do that in Revelations 4? They put it up there. Why do I want to do that? Because Jesus said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth, how? Yeah. Wouldn't you like to bring heaven into your secret place? Well, God wants you to. God wants you to, to bring him in every morning. God wants you to bring him into your secret place and close the door. What did Jesus say? When you pray, go into your secret place and do what? Close the door. And your father that sees in secret, he will reward you. The very first part about the Lord's Prayer is to acknowledge that our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Invoking the authority of God into your situation, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle went to the third heaven. He told us, I can't tell you what I saw, but don't you think what he saw would have affected his writings? Don't you think the purpose of Paul going to the third heaven was so that he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? Don't you think it was so that we, that he could write the New Testament? And what was one of the things that Paul said? The weapons of our warfare, or mode of operation for a Christian, the weapons of our warfare are not natural, man-made, or carnal, but they're divine weapons for the pulling down of demonic strongholds. And with these weapons, we can bring every negative thought captive to the obedience of the cross. Is it rational that a man or a woman would reject Jesus Christ? Is it rational that a doctor would say something that, that cheap and disdainful and, and mock the word of God? Is it rational? I share my faith all over America, and, and I can't tell you how many people jump in my face. I'm okay with that. But is it rational? that somebody would sit there and inject heroin or smoke crack or, or get so blown out? Is it rational that someone would reject the love of Jesus Christ? No, it's not rational. But the Bible tells us the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Weird? Is that weird? Put that up, David. Is that weird? Of course it's weird. Think about that. Think about it. It's uncanny. It's unnatural. It's supernatural. It's unearthly. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. My brothers and sisters, when you go into your prayer closet, I'm going to encourage you, the first thing you do is ask God to show you how to hallow his name. Your life will change. The situation you're in may not change right away, but I promise you, your heart will change. Bring up Psalm 22, Dave. Take a look at this. Because this is how many of us feel sometimes, and we don't really understand it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, my God, I cry by day and you don't answer me, and by night, and I find no rest, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Anybody feel like those first two verses sometimes? Huh? I do. 
Come on. Anybody feel like, God, where are you at? I'm crying out to you. I have loved ones that are in some very serious challenges. I have friends that are up against it like, just like you do. I have co-workers just like you do that are seemingly, you know, that have spouses that are drug addicts, alcoholics, that, who have children in prison. And they're crying out like this. But the psalmist said, all right, enough's enough. Yet you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. Well, I know a woman who had eight children. I know a woman that went through such dysfunction. Her home was repossessed. Her husband was an alcoholic. Five out of eight of her kids became alcoholics, severe alcoholics. And, and through this dysfunction, her home was repossessed and all that stuff. She came back to Jesus Christ. And this woman entered into the throne room of God. This woman began to understand what Jesus meant when, when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. She understood somehow through all this, my God, she went through that process of the pain. Where, why, God? Where are you at? But something changed in her when the Holy Spirit quickened the privilege to say, Holy, holy, holy Lord God. One night, one of her kids got so drunk a friend of, him, friend of his brought him home, and uh, the kid was so drunk, the uh, guy handed him his keys, and uh, he left, and the kid got back in the car and, to go get some more, because when you're an alcoholic, you don't drink just to drink, you drink to get completely obliterated. So this kid jumped back into his car, it was midnight, he figured he could still find a couple of bars open, he went out and he started drinking some more. He was at a red light in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He leaned over to change an old eight-track tape player that was in his glove box. And as he leaned over to change the tape, it fell on the floor. And as he bent over to pick it up, he passed out. Came to for a brief second. The story says a car was coming at him, and he passed out again. What happened, they said that his car went up an embankment, came down, hit a telephone pole, and he flew through the passenger side of the windshield. And after his face and head went through the glass, his shoulders hit the glass and stopped him. And the weight of his body dragged him back in across the jagged glass and the flesh in his face was just getting caught on the glass as he fell back in and as they said his car was on an embankment and his face was now in the passenger floor compartment bleeding profusely the cops pulled him out of the car and one cop said to the other one forget it it's two ladies dead the story goes he looked at him and said no I'm still with you they called his mother about two o'clock in the morning got him to the hospital and they said, ma'am, your son's been in an accident. And she said, well, can I come down in the morning? Because this was nothing new for this woman. She had been there. Maybe, maybe where you're at. Maybe you have a loved one, a marriage, a financial situation, a boss, a neighbor. Maybe you got a challenge that you're crying out to God, asking him, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And she said, well... Can I come down in the morning? And they said, no, ma'am, you don't understand. You need to come now. So she got there by herself. Her husband was drunk, passed out in the bed. She came by herself. She walked into the emergency room. They couldn't find a plastic surgeon at that time, so they could just pull the shards of glass out of the kid's face, out of his eyes. They said to her, ma'am, there was so much glass in his left eye, we don't know if he'll ever see again. The cut in the top of his skull was so deep the possibility of brain damage exists. You may as well go home because he's fallen into a coma now. And we just don't know what's going to happen. And here is this woman 
had rededicated her life to Christ, really trying to serve God with eight kids, dysfunction all around. This was so true to her. The story goes that she got home and fell on her bed where she had cried out for her kids so often. She started crying out to God, God, where are you? God, I'm crying out for my husband, my sons, my daughters. God, where are you at, God? Please, God, when are you going to help me, God? She said that the Holy Spirit came alongside of her and said, Isabel, that's enough. He's God. And she knew enough about God to say, you're right. She dried the eyes from all the tears. And she said, okay, God, you are holy. You are holy. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, I'm, I'm going to pray this scripture. I'm going to pray this scripture over my boy. God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, save his soul. God, do something for him. God, when's it going to end? I'm going to trust you, God. I'm not going to allow this situation, God. You are holy, O oh God, and I'm going to cry out to you. Wouldn't it be great if every seat in this place this morning stood up and started crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Heaven and earth is filled with your glory that we could take our challenges and lay them before the seat of the throne of God and be excited to worship God in the midst of your challenges. The challenge may not change, but you will. She said as she broke forth in praise, she said all that she remembered was this that she said she used to say, it was this hand that she saw come down and touch this kid's left eye. What she didn't know, the kid was in a coma and he was falling through darkness and it was as real as me standing here in front of you. And he reached out both arms to stop the fall, but he couldn't. He couldn't stop the fall. He looked around and as, he, as the fall stopped, he came into this black room and he looked over and he saw these two things on his left-hand side. He had never seen demons before. The kid had never been to a Christian church. The kid had never once read the Bible. But it wasn't so funny now like this doctor on the plane. It wasn't so funny now this kid would laugh at the Bible before and laugh at demonic things. It wasn't so funny now because as he looked at these two things, they were about to do with him whatever they wanted. And he knew it. But there was nothing he could do. He deserved it, but not according to God's grace. It was then that Jesus Christ, because his mother was home interceding for him, the story goes that as she was crying out to God, she saw this finger of God come down and touch his left eye. And when she saw that, she broke forth in praise. Even though the kid was in a coma, she knew that God could do anything. God could do anything for you today. God can hear your cry today. God can move any mountain. God loves you, my brothers and sisters. There's nothing your dad can't do. Nothing. Nothing. So this kid, this kid was laying there in a pool of his own blood. They put over 300 stitches in his face. He had five tubes in his body feeding him and draining him intravenously. And Jesus Christ came to him when those two demons were standing there. And Jesus, not the word for word, but the essence of the conversation was, Jimmy, do you want to continue? And I said, no, God, no. But what do I have to do? I've cried out to you so many times, God. I prayed that prayer in jail, God. Get me out of this jam and I'll go straight. And it just didn't work. 
God, what do I have to do? And he looked at me. You know what he said to me? It's what he didn't say to me to shock me. He didn't say to me, why should I help you, you loser? You phony. I've been knocking on your heart forever, but you wouldn't listen. You know what he said to me, the essence of the conversation? He said, Jimmy, if you ask me to cleanse you and forgive you, I will, son. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jimmy, I'll become your best friend. Jimmy, I'll walk with you, and I'll talk with you, and I'll live inside you. I'll give you the power, Jimmy, to overcome the drugs and the alcohol. I'll be your best friend. Was I laid in the pool of my own blood. My life was just messed up. I started hardcore drugs at 15. By the time I was 18, I was a full-blown alcoholic. And I'm laying there in a pool of my own blood, and Jesus Christ is showing me this love and mercy. You know what I said to him? I said, Jesus, please help me. Please forgive me. Whatever those two things were, they left. They left. I woke up two days later in intensive care. They had my arms tied down on either side of me. My mother said that when I came out of my coma, I don't remember this, she said the first words you muttered through your broken jaw, my jaw came through my skin there, it was, Busted and wired, tried to talk right there for six weeks, no teeth in my face. She said, the first words that you muttered through your broken jaw was, Mom, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do you get it, guys?